I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we bring you the latest OU football news, including the All Big 12 preseason team and OU recruiting updates in the National College Football Roundup. We discuss USC and UCLA leaving for the Big Ten and what could be next. And then we finish up with our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those and you'll find us. All right. Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, July 7th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And the Beats and Bites Festival is rolling, people. Randy Rogers Band, on July 9th, there will be fireworks after. It's $5 general admission, and kids under 12 get in free. There'll be a ton of food trucks, all kinds of things for the kids to do including face painting and an inflatable obstacle course. To buy tickets, visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this on Wednesday night, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. Did we miss anything? Uh, I don't think so. Pretty, Pretty straightforward dog days of summer. Nothing happened, right? Thought we were so clever. (laughs) <laughs> pre-recording with our guy bill conley put out an all football episode only for the world to come burning to the ground hey the good news is uh the big 12 preview we did there's still a big 12 at least i think is is it there maybe maybe not i I mean, by the time some people listen to this, who knows? <laughs> right. Some some people may not listen to this till Friday, Ted, and you never know. I mean, what, what could happen? Okay. So there's clearly a lot to talk about with the USC and UCLA stuff. But just because that happened doesn't mean we're going to change what we do. We are going to start with the OU football stuff. So 
Big 12 Media Days is in one week, which I, I've always felt is kind of like the unofficial marker for when I start getting in football mode. <laughs> and the Sooners, the Sooners are sending four to Big 12 Media Day next week. Dylan Gabriel, Marvin Mims, Woody Washington, and Ethan Downs getting the nod. How about that? But nice. I, I like the four, and I will say, it is rather nice that the starting quarterback is going to be there for us to talk to. It's rather nice, Dan. <laughs> it feels like it's been a while. Yeah, and he seems to – I mean, I know it's been very limited, but he seems to do a really good job, really well-spoken, smart kid, obviously – has some experience to him about it. So um, I, I I think it's a good list. I don't know. I, maybe you get some personality out of this list, but I I think they'll do fine, right? I, what could I, come up? How, how bad could it be, right? It can't be worse than whenever I went to Big 12 Media Days. <laughs> I I can only imagine what a little tight, Ted Lehman just not wanting to say anything stupid. I, I've got a feeling that when I went, I probably gave the media members a little more to work with than what you, uh, you were offering them. Shockingly. Uh, I was pretty surprised that I, I got sent up there because my standard line of thinking was always, if I say as little as possible, they'll stop asking for me when games are over. And that for the most part, worked so i was kind of surprised when i went have i ever told you the story of when i went is jason white and i i don't think so i don't think you've told it on here at least well it was a summer day about like this and it was like on a thursday or something right is that usually when it is it's like wednesday thursday so we knew that we were getting the day off the next day from summer workouts. So we had a very long night the night before we left and they told us, we'll pick you up and uh, we'll take you to the airport and you'll fly up to Kansas city and do it. Great. No big deal. We show up to the airport in Norman and there is a single engine Cessna waiting there for us. Pilot. I'm like, it's this wide. The plane is this wide. Pilot facing forward, me facing backwards, Jason White facing me. And we're like, our faces are like this far apart. Like <laughs> knees are interlocking. I don't think this thing had air conditioning and it was low. It was like waving, wobbling all over the place. I feel like the cars on I-35 that we could see below were going faster than we were. It was the single most miserable uh, flight I've ever been on. It was bad. Was wait, where where was Bob? Oh, Bob was in the uh I think he took a little more comfortable ride up. He he, he was in the Gulf Stream. Yeah. We did come back on some better digs, which was like, oh my God, this is so because I was dreading it the whole time. It was horrible. Had the forehead sweats, was not feeling good. It was bad. Yeah, that uh that doesn't sound like a ton of fun. We <laughs> when I went, it was it was a nice private plane, man. I'm sorry you had that experience. Yeah, it was brutal. They must have somehow the word must have got out that we uh uh we had a late night the night before or something. 
that you feel like you were being punished? Yes, <laughs> I think so. Yeah. That's what it felt like the whole way. Sounds like it. Oh my god, that sounds awful. I I've got a feeling that BV and these four guys will be traveling uh, traveling to Dallas in style. Yeah. If I had to guess, and you look at, I do think Marvin Mims does a really good job with with the media. I mean, I I call him Charming Marvin. No one else calls him that. It's just a me <laughs> thing. It's guys great smile gives you great answers. He, he's going to represent OU extremely well, and he's he's kind of a seasoned veteran now when it comes to interacting with the media. Woody Washington, that's an interesting one yeah. for me because clearly. Uh, clearly this staff loves him, you know, raved about his consistency throughout the spring. So that feels like one of those where it's like, Hey, he earned his way there by how he carried himself. Once this new staff took over, I, I thought that was really encouraging. I, am I reading too much into that being like, Hey, Woody Washington's about to have a hell of a season because he's getting sent to big 12 media day. I don't think so. I don't think you're reading into it uh, uh, too much at all. You know, everything, Brent Venables does there's a reason to it there's thought put into it and you know whenever he's sending guys up there he's sending them he's sending representatives of the football program and guys that you know because it's a it's a cool thing if for only you get a day off of summer workouts it's still something that's cool and it's viewed as a perk to be able to go do that and, you know, they're selective on who they send. So I, I think that is definitely a good sign that Woody Washington's on the on the flight. Yeah, and the exact same thing for Ethan Downs, right? We, we've talked a lot about who is going to emerge at that edge position for this team. And I, once again, don't want to read too much into it, but I think this says a lot about the expectations that this staff has for Ethan Downs. And really, man, sophomore, that's that doesn't happen at Oklahoma a lot. Nope. I mean, it just doesn't. So he should he should feel very good about himself that he got that nod from the staff. But also, I mean, that that tells me that they're they're expecting Ethan Downs to be a big contributor when the fall rolls around. There's no doubt about it, because that's that's a big deal sending a sophomore. Yep. Big kid has his affairs in order uh engaged right i mean saw that tells you that this kid's got his uh like he's got his priorities straight he knows what his plan is he's accomplishing it um awesome i think think this is going to be the breakout year we've talked about it before don't mean to kind of go back through it but i think the guy you see at the beginning of the year while i think he's going to be good the guy at the end of the year is going to be a different animal, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, I'm sure that those four guys will get asked about this. The 2022 preseason All-Big 12 team has been released, and there is a total of one OU player on it. And there are no offensive players and no defensive players because the only OU player on it is Michael Turk the punter. He is your all big 12 preseason punter. Other than that, no representation for the Crimson and Cream. It's fascinating, isn't it? 
uh, and Michael Turk is the, the guaranteed pick for punter. There's no doubt about it. Um, when your punter drops a, a video and a graphic saying he's coming back, I think that's kind of a big deal, right? <laughs> if your punter's that good. Um, here's what's crazy. I think I agree. Maybe not necessarily with everyone on the list. But I kind of get it. Here, here's the part of the podcast where some people may think we're going to be outraged <laughs> when really, first of all, I, let's say this. First of all, Brent Venables didn't need any more motivational material, right? The guy's already right. a master motivator. He is, but this is certainly going to add to it. I mean, this is this is the stuff you love, Ted. You love oh, the yeah. under-the-radar stuff. I love the, hey, have high expectations and live up to them stuff in the preseason. This clearly falls into your category of, okay, feel slighted, feel disrespected heading into the year. <laughs> I mean, BV tweeted a picture of the lists. Did you see that? Mm -hmm. it, it said, Team 128, you will get what you earn. That's right. Hashtag dirty hard work in the dark, which is still just hilarious. Dirty hard That's work right. in the dark. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. I agree with the list, but I fully expect there to be several OU players offensively and defensively whenever the list actually matters at the end of the year. But going into it, you know, you could make an argument for a couple of guys, but. Let's do it. Let's just go through it real quick. Okay. Because I, I, I agree with you. I think OU is going to win a lot of games. I think they're going to have some guys on the uh, postseason all big 12 team, right? Uh, history tells us that's, that's likely to happen. But when you look at the offense, when I saw it, I really didn't know how upset I should be or OU fans should be because when you when you probably look at the guy that has the biggest argument, that's probably Marvin Mims, right? Mm -hmm. And he didn't just have some dynamite year last year. He didn't as talented as we all think he is. You know the speed, the consistency. Like he he disappeared in some games. Now. That could have been to, you know, the play calling to, you know, the, the performance at the quarterback position. Like there's all kinds of things that go into a wide receiver, uh, putting up big numbers, the running game, right. That, that all matters, but heading into this year, are you taking him over Xavier Hutchinson at Iowa state or Quentin Johnston at TCU or Xavier worthy, who I think all, all of us agrees, you know, probably the best wide receiver in the big 12 heading into the year, I there's really not a great argument for Marvin Mims with what we've seen. Now, if you want to say, hey, he's going to put up big numbers in Levy's system, yeah, I can get on board for that line, you know, for you know that side of the argument. But really with what we saw last year, you look at Hutchinson and Johnson and Worthy, those guys I, I think also all just bigger in stature. 
than Marvin Mims. It, I don't really know what the argument is. Yeah, there's not much of one. I mean, I'm 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 looking at it for uh, receptions a game. You've got Xavier Hutchinson was number one in the Big Twelve last year. Uh, Xavier Worthy was number four in the Big Twelve last year. Quentin Johnston was number ten. Uh, Mims was not on there. Uh, receiving touchdowns. Xavier Worthy, number one with 12. Tyquan Thornton, oh, that's Baylor. Uh, Quentin Johnston uh, had six. Xavier Hutchins had, Hutchinson had five. No Marvin Mims. Yards, same thing. Worthy, number one. Hutchinson, number three. Quentin Johnston, number four. Those are your guys. That's just how it is. I mean, statistically, yeah. it bears out. Now, here's the thing. I fully expect Marvin Mims to make a great play or someone from OU. Like maybe it's Mims, maybe someone else emerges, but I, I fully expect a wide receiver from OU to make a play for one of those three spots. It's going to be hard. Those three guys are, are all really, really good. I think Quentin Johnston has a chance to maybe lead the country in receiving this year. As much as TCU is going to throw the football, they're going to throw it to him nonstop. But I do expect Mims to to challenge to get on that list and maybe a couple other guys. I mean, one of the things about OU is no one else's – the amount of great receivers that we have on our roster right now is – there's a bunch, and that means the ball gets spread around quite a bit. So it may be hard to stack up some of those numbers, but I fully expect for Marvin Mims or someone on the roster to challenge for one of those spots. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, completely with you. I just think that we can think that and also acknowledge that you know these three guys as the preseason all Big 12 guys and wide receivers probably probably the way it should be. And that's there's nothing wrong with that, but just knowing that OU could have multiple receivers step up and put up big numbers like that would that would be ideal to me. It's like you have three guys, four guys with seven, eight hundred yards, yeah, right? and you're just throwing it all over the place. Like that would be now. That's usually not how it works out, but I think that. This this will give Marvin Mims a lot of motivation. There's no doubt. And Jaleel Farouk, Theo Weiss, guys that we know are going to play significant roles at wideout for this team. And I don't hate that. I don't hate that Marvin Mims is going into the season with a chip on his shoulder. Don't yeah. hate it at all. And it's you know it's not necessarily his his fault for the output he had last year. We had a quarterback change. Had a freshman playing quarterback who was not very good at reading things out down the field. And it just it really affected the offense in the way that it it kind of unfolded throughout the season. I don't expect that to be the case next year or this coming year. I expect Marvin Mims to have a really big year. Yeah. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. 
This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, looking at the running backs, uh, we're both excited with everything we've heard about Eric Gray, right? That... He's just been Mr. Consistency. Uh, DeMarco Murray always refers to him as a pro, but there's just there's no way you can pick him over Bijan or Deuce Vaughn. With, nope. with how productive and explosive those guys have been, not only in the run game, but in the pass game, I mean, Eric Gray's just going to have to produce before anyone's picking him on one of these lists before Deuce Vaughn and Bijan Robinson. That's just That's just the truth. Yep. Yep, that's right. All the other guys, I mean, they're pretty much right there on the top of all of the rushing list, uh, aside from the guys that are now gone. That's who it's going to be. That's who it's going to be. And this is the interesting one. If Oklahoma breaks a running back onto this group, the first team all Big 12, we we got a juggernaut offense on our hands. Oh, and yeah. I don't, I don't think it's out of the question. I don't think it's out of the question that could be a freshman. You know, I, I, you never know what's going to happen. Both of these guys, Bijan, Deuce, Deuce Vaughn, excellent players. Um, you know, I think that Bijan, if if the first part of the season is ugly for Texas, could be a little opt out factor going on with Bijan. Possibly is, um, you know, looked as the maybe the best running back in the country. So. If we get a guy on as a running back, that tells you everything you need to know about the way the season went offensively. Yep. Looking at the other positions, I mean, tight end, you got Ben Sims from Baylor. I as as excited as I am to see Braden Willis's role expanded this year. I mean, health has been an issue, and he hasn't been productive. Yep. I, it, as as good of a leader as I think he is for this team, as much of an athletic freak as I think he is. And he also does a lot of the dirty work at the tight end, like H back position. I think he's a, I think he's a really good player, but it's tight end right now on these types of lists. It's about producing in the past game. And that's, that's just not something he's done a lot of. It's just, once again, it's just the truth. Just the truth. Uh, but again, would not shock me if by the end of the season, he's one of the tight ends we're talking about in this conference and uh, may emerge as one of those guys that's knocking on the door for that type of spot. Yeah. As far as quarterback, Spencer Sanders being the preseason all Big 12 quarterback, I, I know he was the first team all Big 12 quarterback after last season. He did have some really good stretches of football, but. Give me Dylan Gabriel over Spencer Sanders. All day. I I just 
that if there was anyone that I looked at and I was like, mm, that probably should be an OU guy. I know that Dylan Gabriel, he, he, he got hurt last year. I know that when he put up big numbers that it was in the American Athletic Conference, I understand that. But I just think with what I've seen from Dylan Gabriel in the spring, I just give me that guy in the way he can rip it as opposed to the three years of Spencer Sanders I've seen. Now, Sanders, he maybe he takes a big step, but I feel like we've been saying that for three years. So I... I personally would take Dylan Gabriel over Spencer Sanders. Yeah. And I think ultimately that's, who's going to end up getting it at the end of the season. I think it will be Dylan Gabriel. And, you know, I, I think that for all the reasons you said, the way he moves, the way he can throw, way he creates plays, um, you know, he's got the, the numbers that back that up different conference understood, but he's going to be surrounded by the best players he's ever had. Uh, I fully expect Dylan Gabriel to be your your Big 12, all Big 12 quarterback next season. If it's not Dylan Gabriel, it, it, if it's Spencer Sanders, then something has gone bad in the Big 12, <laughs> right? I, and, and that's nothing against him. I just, I expect Oklahoma State to have much more difficult year and you're going to have a couple of really good football teams in Baylor and Oklahoma. I I think Dylan Gabriel will be your guy. I feel very strongly Dylan Gabriel will be the guy. Yeah, I and I guess if you're thinking about a a dark horse and we we've, we've talked about this a lot, the fact that Dave Veranda said, "Hey Blake Shapin, you're our guy." Gary, go go find another place to play. Maybe Blake Shapin comes out and lights it up for Baylor. I uh, I don't know. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's it's fascinating that 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 occurred, and I give Dave Aranda all the credit in the world for doing that and being honest. Because I feel like most coaches in this day and age would have done everything they could to keep Bohan in there, just in case you have an injury issue and you've got a backup quarterback. But uh, yeah, that's that's pretty wild. Pretty wild. As far as Offensive lineman not being on the preseason All-Big 12 team for OU. I really wish I could come on here and pound the table for someone. But anyone that has listened to this podcast knows how frustrated I was with each and every guy that played a lot of football for them last year along the offensive line. And now Anton Harrison, he's got all the talent, right? And everything I've heard about how his attitude has changed, how his work ethic has changed, has me extremely encouraged for the the type of football he's going to play. But he just has not shown that on Saturdays consistently. I, I'd like to come on here and say, no, 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 he's a better player than the Downing kid from Iowa State. He's a better player than the Frazier kid from West Virginia. Like, you got to have Anton on there. I, I wish I could come on here and say that. I expect that to be the case, but I'm going to need to see it on Saturdays. That That's it. And I expect that is going to be the case, but I don't think OU has a lineman that has shown a level of play at a consistent level, you know, a consistently high level 
to where we should come on here and be upset that they're not on this list. I don't think any of those guys have earned it. I just, I don't. And I, I think clearly a lot of people agree with me, people that voted for this. But if there's the one guy that I'm expecting to take the big leap, it's Anton Harrison. And I think Juan A. Morris can do some really, really good things as well. But yeah, I, I saw the offensive line list and I wasn't, I wasn't shocked. I know that. Yeah. Uh, this is another one that I feel like because of the system, because of um, the play calling and some of the things that are going to be different this year, I would be shocked if there's not at least one, maybe multiple offensive linemen on that list by the end of the season. I just feel like the the way that they're going to run that offense is – and I, I feel like the confidence with that group is just going to build and build and build, and they're going to – they're going to have the attitude that we're used to seeing. Uh, I think it's going to be back. I think they're going to get used to mulling over the top of people. And I think it's going to end up with really good results, running game, passing game. I think in my opinion, like this group is the offense is If our offensive line steps up and plays to their capabilities, the list is going to be littered with Oklahoma guys on the all big 12 t- team. If they don't, it's going to be way more difficult for anyone to crack this list. Yeah. Okay. Looking at the defensive side of things, no OU players. And, and when you saw it, when, when you were looking at it kind of position by position, was there any one guy that you thought, Hey, no, 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 he, he should be on there from OU. Yeah. No, no. That's how I felt too. Well, it, it's hard. Yeah, it's it's hard because what is this list? Is this list a little bit of a reward for what you've done previously? Or is it only a projection of what you think is going to happen at the end of the year? I think by the end of the year, there's a chance some of you guys can make this list, but this is not the Big 12 of old where the defense is terrible and, you know, if you're a good player, you're going to make the list. This list is stacked with players. Stacked. Uh, defensive line, stacked. Backers, really, really good. But I do think there's a couple of guys that have an opportunity to make it defensive line-wise, a couple of guys that have an opportunity to make it uh, backer and DB-wise. Yeah, you you look at a guy like Jalen Redman, right? He can he can be more productive than a guy like Dante Stills from West Virginia, and yep. I like Stills, but Redman's got more natural pop than him, more natural power. He just got to he's got to stay healthy, and he's got to be more consistent. I, I saw some people mentioning like, how could Marcus Stripling not be on this list? I was like, wait, guys, we need to we need to relax. Like you have once again. You have to make plays on Saturdays to make this list. And as exciting, as excited as we are about the the progress Stripling has made in the spring, he hadn't made a lot of plays on game day. He just hadn't. So you look at that, and I mean, Will McDonald, OU doesn't have anyone that's done near what he's done. I, I don't think OU has anyone like Felix and Udike Uzama from K State. 
at the end of the year, he may end up being the best player in this entire conference. Like I am, I am very high on that young man. And what McDonald is either led or tied in sacks last three years, right? Yeah. And he, he got, I thought he was a lot better against the run last season than he was the year before. I, I think, I definitely think there's a spot, you know, when it's all said and done after the season, I could, I could see a linebacker taking one of these spots from like a guy like Dylan Doyle. I think Doyle's a solid player, uh, but you know, I, there, once again, there's not, there's not a guy for OU that has produced the level of where we can come on here and make some big fuss about it. No, no. Well, frankly, we don't even have what you would technically call a returning starter. I mean, Stutzman played some. Aguebu uh, played some. Deshaun White played the most. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how, like, you know what I'm saying? The, those There's such a rotation going on that I don't know who you would technically term as last year's starting Mike Backer. Now, Osamoa was starting Will Backer. But I don't know who who last year's Mike Backer was because it was different game to game on who was starting at that position and series to series. So, I mean, we just haven't had that consistency yet there. I think that room is talented enough that there should be someone by the end of the season, without a doubt. But a lot of that's depending on how the defensive line plays. There's no doubt. As far as defensive back... I mean, Woody Washington, I think we saw we saw some stretches of all-conference type play from him last year, but didn't stay healthy, right? I think there were some, some series, even some quarters from Key Lawrence where man, he looked like the best player on the field for them. So I, I think those two guys in particular, like a guy like Kenny Logan from Kansas, I – I didn't think he was particularly good last year for them. I thought he took a step back as a player. So he wouldn't have been on my list. But I think if you're looking for a spot where some of you guys could end up on the postseason list, I do think Key Lawrence and Woody Washington are two guys that they, they've got all conference type talent and ability. And if if everything goes according to plan, they should be off-conference players. Yeah, well, part of the problem is, when's the last time we had a defensive back that started every game at the same position? (laughs) Woody Washington missed. Key Lawrence played several different positions. Bowman played different positions. Like they had to mix and match my, guys. I'm gonna get throw a random guess out there. I don't know if this is right. I'm good. My guess is Stephen Parker. That's my guess. Probably, probably. Um, it's that's been a problem back there. We haven't had consistency. We've had injury. We've had had to move different guys around. I'm starting to feel pretty good about what the secondary is going to look like next year. I think it's going to be really competitive. And I think whoever ends up locking down those spots, like, cause I feel like there's a lot of talent in, in 
both the corner and the safety room right now. I feel good about it. I think I think defensively, this may be the easiest position to crack to make the All Big Twelve. That's interesting. We'll see. I I know a lot of fans want to complain about it. Just remember the now the unfortunate part is the preseason list does matter. People say it doesn't, but it does when it comes to postseason voting because people are lazy. They just look at what their preseason once said. Oh, did they have decent stats? Okay, I'll just vote them all Big 12 at the end of the year. So hopefully, hopefully there's a lot of OU names on it. When We want to believe that there's some like big committee that sits down for a weekend, locks in a conference room at a hotel, and goes through all of the film throughout the entire season to make these picks. Unfortunately, that's not the case. This is what happens. The PR person from the Big 12 sends you an email and says, hey, please fill this out. <laughs> That's exactly how it works because right. I get one. Oh, so, man. It is, uh, yeah, not – I. hopefully a lot of people put in put in a lot of thought into it. I don't, I don't know if that's the case all the time, but who knows. Okay, before we move on, some OU recruiting news. Hot start to July. Hot start. So, first of all, Jackson Arnold goes out there and does the damn thing at the Elite 11, gets named Elite 11 MVP, and considering all the talent that was out there, that's a big deal, man. And that I, that was a big deal for the OU fan base, right, especially with Texas having Arch Manning in that class. It feels like Jackson Arnold may mess around and challenge Arch Manning to be the number one quarterback in that class. Yeah. Well, I feel like it because of the name – I don't know that they're going to do anything. If anything could move Arch Manning off of that pedestal, but it sounds like a lot of people were really, really impressed with how good he looked out there. And to win that MVP is not easy. Does it automatically translate to you being a great quarterback in college? Well, no, not necessarily, but, there's been some really good players win that award uh, that have gone on to win Heisman Trophy, so it's pretty good. Um, I'm thrilled about it. I wasn't necessarily sure what to expect, but it sounds like he's one of those guys that, I, mean, I don't know about you, but my my junior year of high school compared to my senior year of high school it was, I was, I was a completely different animal and it sounds like he's one of those kids that he has not peaked. He's continuing to progress and get better and better, uh, physically, you know, technique wise. I mean, some of the reviews of, of the throws that he was making out there on the run, just really, really impressive. I love it. I love yeah. it. I think it, I think it's big for the program. I mean, I think there were a lot of people out there that thought once Lincoln Riley was gone, that OU's QB recruiting could take a step back. Turns out Jeff Lebby, uh, pretty good at recruiting that position. Yep. Very good. Okay. Other big recruiting news. Jacquez Petaway, the number 47 player in the 24-7 sports composite, a 5'11", 180-pound wide receiver from Texas commits to Oklahoma, chooses OU over Texas. And this is a guy just from 
You know, some of the people I asked around once he committed, same word came up every time. Speed, speed, elite speed, serious speed. It was all diff- different combinations of people telling me this guy can absolutely fly. Which, well, that wide receiver, big fan of. So, yeah, this is a this is a big get for, for OU in the 2023 class. You look at it, you know, Darnold is, is going to be a five-star quarterback. You know, someplace already he's already got that fifth star. And then Petaway, pretty much consensus top 50 player, no matter where you look. It's a it's a big deal that OU was able to able to reel him in. Nope. Huge. You can never have enough speed. And uh that's what we need. We need some birders. I don't know. Who's the fastest guy in the wide receiver room right now, you think? I'd probably say Mims, but I don't know. Yeah. Yep. Um uh, we could use some more speed there. I love it. Um, continue to bring in top wide receivers. That's uh, you look at NFL free agency. I mean, that's feels like where the game has moved quite a bit. And uh, to be able to continue to pull in top guys, I know some people were probably worried about that with uh, the former regime headed out west. But that's a that's a really good start right there. Yeah, and then a couple of linebackers committed to Oklahoma three-star linebacker from Texas Samuel Omasigo commits chooses OU over Florida and then four-star linebacker Phil Pachati committed to OU guy from Pennsylvania chose OU over Michigan Auburn and Nebraska had uh, I've watched the highlights for Pachati had approximately 1 million tackles last season in high school from what I could tell he's violent too isn't he he, I, th- full disclosure, when I watched the highlights, right, I thought about Googling the targeting rules in Pennsylvania high school football. I thought <laughs> about it. I was like, I'm not going to do that. Let my man live. But yes, violent is, yeah, he, he, he plays like you want a linebacker to play. Uh, that's, that's how I'll put it. I will say this. Another white linebacker, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> at, at what point do we reach the maximum number of guys that can be compared to you? Because I saw it on Twitter again. So now we, what we've got Stutzman, Canick, now Pachati. How, how many, how many, oh, he's the next Teddy Lehman guys can we have? I don't know. It looks like they're going to, BV is going to fill the room up with them. Uh, oh boy. R- right now. It, he looks really good. What's most interesting to me is to get a guy out of Pennsylvania, right? The, the list of linebackers that have played at Penn state is really, really good. And to go in there, get a really highly recruited kid and beat out Auburn, um, Michigan, you know, with, with Florida, with, uh, to beat out some of these schools with defensive players, we haven't done a whole lot of that recently. I think that's a really, really good sign. And it's only going to get better. This first year's class is going to be tough. Um, and we're still in on a bunch of really, really good guys defensively. So I, I think this is just a really good sign for the future on the defensive side when it comes to recruiting. Some really, really good players. Yeah. And over these next couple weeks, a uh, couple big announcements coming for Oklahoma with, with some some prospects in the 2023 class that they are feeling very good about. 
So we'll see if this momentum can continue to roll throughout the month of July for Brent Venables and his staff. But yeah, they preached patience. They preached patience. They said, Hey, we will, we will reap the rewards in July and the month is off to a good start so far for Oklahoma on the recruiting trail. All right. So we're going to skip call your shot because we just, we got too much to talk about and full disclosure. I forgot to send the tweet out. That's on me. That's my bad. It's well, on the rundown. Just I, I, I apologize. Hey, it's been a while since we've done this. A little rusty. There'll be plenty of opportunities to call your shot later. Uh, absolutely. All right. Birthday shout outs. Happy first birthday to Jonah Dylan Showman. Happy third birthday to Lucas Turnwall. Happy fourth birthday to Parker Turnwall. Happy 15th birthday to Carson Elix. I'm going Elix. Elix? Two L's. E-L-L-I-X. Elix? Yeah. Carson Elix. Yeah, Happy, you're probably right. You probably got it. I feel like you always get it right on the first time, and I always mess it up. <laughs> Happy 18th birthday to Alexia Estep. Happy 21st birthday to Blaze Akins. Happy 25th birthday to Bobby Monaco. Monaco? Monaco? Monaco. Oh, no. Monaco? Yeah. Happy M-O-N-A-C-O. Yeah, I think you're right. Happy 26th birthday to Jordan Crawford. Happy 26th birthday to Joseph. Oh, boy. Happy 26th birthday to Joseph. Guyalva is what I'm going nice. with. Nice. Happy 27th birthday to Sid Smith. Happy 29th birthday for the eighth time to Laura Foshi. Happy 36th birthday to Joy Boyer. Happy 39th birthday to Jerry Reed. Happy 40th birthday to Eric Cooper. Happy 40th birthday to Trenton Patterson. Happy 56th birthday to Judge Charlie Ochoa. Happy 56th birthday to Chris Russell. Happy 61st birthday to Tommy Coleman. Happy 63rd birthday to John Sullivan. Happy birthday to Catherine Oakley. Happy birthday to Brett Gillen. Happy retirement to Phyllis Stossel after 45 years of nursing. Happy 43rd anniversary to Ed and Carrie Taylor. And congratulations to Jenna and Chris Burroughs on their upcoming wedding. Whoo! Had a bit of a stockpile, some would say. <laughs> All right, let's talk USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 600 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Love's Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Love's Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Love's has to offer, visit loves.com. 
Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com and use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. Make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, Contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. USC, UCLA, leaving the Pac-12, going to the Big Ten starting in 2024. Ted, I took off on a flight on Thursday to California. Little did I know that an hour and a half later or whatever, how long, that's probably too short. It was longer than that. Two plus whatever hours later, I landed in Big Ten country. <laughs> uh, yeah, was pretty shocking. Pretty shocking whenever all of that came out. I guess it's not shocking that the Pac-12 is in trouble and they have some members looking elsewhere. USC and UCLA to the Big Ten, though, is that's not really the first thing that you would you would circle or you would pick. Now, I feel like I heard people like theorizing about this a while back and I was just kind of brushed it off as yeah, that just really doesn't make sense. Like, God, geographically, how do you make that work? But I don't think geography matters anymore in college football. I'm with you. Uh, I mean, you you look at, you know, both schools put their statements out there. Right. Well, why why they did it? You, they mentioned what's best for the future of the athletic programs. You know, mention academics, the values, all that stuff. But just like OU in Texas has moved to the SEC, for me, this is about two things: television revenue and staying relevant. That's it. That that's the battle in college football right now. It's about television revenue and relevance. And, I mean, when you look at the map of USC and UCLA on there with the other Big Ten teams, it's hilarious. I mean, these, these people saying, well, USC and UCLA, very good academic schools, like their values align with the Big Ten. Listen, I get it. They're good schools. But you're never going to convince me that USC and UCLA are cultural fits in the Big Ten. Los Angeles and Columbus – are very different places. Los Angeles and Ann Arbor are very different places, right? And you're, you're just never going to convince me, like, oh, yes, this makes a ton of sense. No, it doesn't. We all know it doesn't. But I just, maybe I should have thought, that, I, I never thought the alliance was going to last. I know that. We, we openly made fun of it on here a lot. And, man, it didn't even last a year. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, 
it's you know i feel like they've known this and known it's coming for a while and well i mean that's obvious they didn't it doesn't happen overnight you don't just wake up sunday morning and move conferences right um this i, is, I see what you did there by the way <laughs> this is It it really makes sense whenever you think about the moves that USC has been making. Hire a coach, pay him a ton of money, um, start to make some announcement about facilities and, and different things you're going to do. They had to know that that Big Ten revenue was going to be coming in, right, um, and be projecting that they're going to be able to to be able to pay for a lot more stuff down the road some people talking over $80 million a year, perhaps, in the new Big Ten contract. So it's not surprising there. But I just – and I think it's a good move for USC and UCLA to go do this, to be relevant, to make more money. I think it's probably good for the Big Ten because it's that low-hanging fruit, that television market on the West Coast that everyone's wanting to tap into so desperately that they keep – you know, projecting all of these things that are going to happen out there. But I, I just don't know how good it is for USC. You know, I think the feeling for them is that this is really going to help them in recruiting. And I'm not so sure about that. You know, if you consider yourself a, a five-star kid in California and okay, used to, you had to pick between the PAC 12 big 10, perhaps, SEC. Well, that makes sense that it's going to be hard to to perhaps keep that kid out there in the Pac-12. You go to the Big Ten and you think, oh, well, it's going to be way easier to keep those kids going to the Big Ten. And I'm like, I don't know. I think what you just did is made the decision between the Big Ten and the SEC. Would you rather be playing in November in Minnesota or would you rather be playing in November in Louisiana or in Texas or in Florida or in Georgia? I'm not so sure that everyone's just like saying that the recruiting is like instantly going to be better. I don't know about that. I mean, I could be wrong, but the way I figure it, you've now made people choose between the SEC and the big 10 and, the SEC checks most of those boxes. I I hear you on that. I will say, I, I think just, just how being in the Big 12 was being used against OU, I think USC probably moving forward with Lincoln Riley and that new staff, there are going to be a lot of guys that say, hey, I, I love the tradition. I love everything about it, but the Pac-12 is just not very good, man. I want to I play in the SEC or the Big 10. So just like how that was being used against OU, I, I, I don't think that that can be used against USC anymore. I will say, though, kids do like staying close to home. And a lot of people like their parents being able to get to every game relatively easily. And there are going to be a lot of people on the West Coast that look at this and go, hmm, that old... Uh, that old six-hour flight to New Jersey doesn't sound very great. Like there's there's going to be some of that, but ultimately, I I think kids kids are less concerned 
maybe now with location, I still think it may be the number one thing people consider in, in recruiting, but there's just so much else going on now for college football players, right? With, with NIL and kind of how you're building your brand and all this stuff. And there's still a lot of value in young and young players associating their brand with the USC brand. And, and ultimately USC now can say, Hey, we, you know, we, we wanted to be in one of, if not the most competitive conference. And now if you're USC, you use the value because the, the big tens TV deal is about to be huge now, right? Cause they were negotiating that they put it on halt with the anticipate anticipation of something like this happening, happening. And now they're going to go back to the negotiating table with ESPN and Fox and say, Hey, we've got LA now. What's it worth to you? And that big 10 media rights deal is going to be huge. And USC is going to say, Hey, look at, look at what we did. Look at what we made happen. And it's, I mean, it is what it is. I just will say USC is not a big 10 team. They're just not. And that is, that's going to be the really interesting part of it, right? Because one of the things, one of the things that I always thought made big non-conference games and, and bowl games, especially, you know, BCS bowls, college football playoff type games was that you would get these teams that never played because they're in different parts of the country and maybe they play different styles. And then you get to see them play and you see what happens. I just, I, I don't know if, I, I really just don't know how USC is going to fare in the Big Ten. Like instead of going to Corvallis in November, they're going to be going to Columbus. Like that's a, that's a really big change, man. So I, I just don't know. I, I don't know, but I can't imagine this is what Lincoln Riley thought he was signing up for. No, there's no, no way in hell he knew this was coming. No, and that's that's been reported. And if you take that as accurate, you know, some people assume that he's out hopping to the NFL as soon as he gets an opportunity. I don't know if that's the case, but you know, I, I do think it's interesting that they don't fit in the Big Ten. It the, nothing about USC makes you feel like it's the Big Ten. And, you know, it really didn't ever matter how bad they were or what happened in the Pac-12. They were always going to be the number one spot, right? They were always going to be USC. That ain't going to be the case anymore in the Big Ten, especially whenever you're, like, so separated from everyone else. And it's going to be a long while, in my opinion, before they ever even are close to winning the Big Ten Conference. They're just, they've turned themselves into another school. And you could say that maybe that's the same case with Oklahoma going to the SEC, but Oklahoma is at a totally different standing right now than what USC is. Like, there's a good chance that, I mean, Oklahoma probably don't they will make the playoff in my opinion between now and when they go to the SEC i they're way more relevant going into that conference than USC is going into the Big 10 and we're geographically we're in the region right we're tied to the region 
you know, pretty much, you know, Missouri, Arkansas, Louisiana, Texas, we're right there. We're in the pocket of the SEC already. So it makes sense geographically. This is a weird situation for USC. It it is. And I honestly it's a it's a weird situation for college football. Like just saying it out loud, like the USC's in the Big Ten. What? No. Big Ten is two tight ends, a fullback, running ISO in the snow. It's not it's not good LA weather in November, man. That's that's some that's gonna take some getting used to. And you know, one of the reasons that I thought Lincoln took that job was that he thought he could build a more talented roster than anybody in the Pac twelve. And that the path to the playoff would be very manageable once he did that. And we don't even even really know what the college football playoffs going to look like now, but I feel like that just got a lot more difficult. Like they, they had an Oregon problem. Now they've got Ohio state and, and Michigan. If Michigan keeps rolling things like, and it's just, it's a different style and, of football. And they still may, may have an Oregon problem before yes. it's all said and done. <laughs> true. Very true. So yeah. I, I don't know, but you, you mentioned, I, I think it's important to think about how this does affect OU, right? Because there's a big part of me, and I haven't talked to anyone with inside information about this, but with USC and UCLA making that move to the Big Ten in 2024, I just can't imagine Greg Sankey will want the Big Ten to get all of that attention by itself. And it it would seem that the SEC would be highly motivated to have OU in Texas playing SEC football in 2024 when UCLA and USC are playing uh, are playing Big Ten football. I I, I don't know if that's going to happen, but it just makes a lot of sense, you know. Just with with the with now the way that we know that Greg Sankey kind of operates. And his his mentality, like the guy wants to dominate college football. There's no doubt about it. I just can't imagine him letting the Big Ten have a full season like that. I just, I, yeah, I just can't see it happening, man. I agree. And really, it's I feel like this is kind of a network issue, right? And I I think Sankey's going to be applying the pressure, and I feel like it's going to be up to the the networks to kind of make that stuff happen and let those deals unfold. Like for instance, OU and Texas leaving the big 12. Well, you know, I could totally see the ESPN wanting that to happen soon as well. And having a vested interest in, you know, depending on how things fall, like eating that payout or buyout, or delivering it to the big 12 via network money. So, you know what I'm saying? Something to make it where, okay, let's, let's do this quickly. We'll facilitate it and make it all work. Cause I think like, I think sitting around and, and like trying to hold buyouts over people right now, when you got this much movement, it's probably just better for everyone to rip the bandaid, restructure it, try and get some new network money going and move on as quickly as possible. Could be wrong. Yeah, 
Uh, I mean, there's there's gonna be a lot that happens between now and then, All right? So so we'll see. But the the question now, I, I think, for college football football becomes what's next. Like what is what's the next domino to fall? And it seems like nothing else is gonna happen when it comes to this realignment shakeup until Notre Dame decides what it's gonna do. And there there are all kinds of things being reported, right? But I just don't think anything else happens until Notre Dame decides what it wants because the Big Ten wants Notre Dame. The SEC wants Notre Dame. Everybody wants Notre Dame. And I am sure that, you know, you think about the Big Ten hitting pause on that media rights negotiation. There's no doubt that they are going to be able to bring Notre Dame some big figures saying, hey, we've talked to our media partners, and this is what it looks like if you come with us. And I know that Notre Dame has essentially always valued their independence over everything, but will the big 10 be able to also, could they come up with some type of custom deal for Notre Dame and their broadcast rights? I don't know where NBC gets looped into. I don't know how it would work, but if Notre Dame joins a conference, which I really don't think they're in her any hurry to do, I, I can't imagine it wouldn't be the big 10, but who knows? Help. Maybe the SEC calls them and say, hey, why would you want to be part of that? Come be part of what we got on, got going on. Now, I'm sure Notre Dame fans probably think they're a better cultural fit in the Big Ten, but we just saw with USC and UCLA, as far as the cultural fit stuff, it's really, it's really not that big of a deal anymore. If you were Notre Dame, where would you want to go? I'd stay independent. Really? Yeah. I My thing is the playoff, the path to the playoff, they're always going to want to let Notre Dame have a path. And that's the school. It's got a ton of money. Now, I understand it could be making way more money, but Notre Dame isn't exactly hurting for funding unless I miss something. Yeah, so but $60 uh, no. more million dollars a year is... I hear you, but if you got a path to the playoff and a realistic path to play for a championship, and maybe may, I, I wouldn't join the Big Ten next week or anything like that. I would, I'd make them wait it out. I'd let them sweat. That's what I would do if I was Notre Dame. I'd say, hey, we're not in any hurry. You know, that, that Big Ten media rights deal is not up for a couple of years. And I would just make everyone else miserable because everyone else is waiting for what Notre Dame's going to do. Yeah. And that makes sense. But if I was Notre Dame, I'd go to the SEC. I would too. If I picked a conference, I'd go to the SEC. It, you fit too good in the Big Ten. And what I mean by that is you, you're going in to compete with a bunch of schools that are really similar to you similar in feel, similar in academics, similar in all those, like, it's just, you. if you just ask someone random, they would assume if they didn't know that Notre Dame was in the Big Ten, right? They're, they're in the same conference. If you go to the SEC, you instantly have uh, 
a trump card on everyone there in academics it's you're exposed to an entire new world of recruiting options in in that region of the country instead of kind of the same place where you are now i think it would be i think it would be best for them to go to the sec don't think that that's going to happen i think if there's a move that it probably is the big 10 but if they had a choice if i had a choice i would go to the sec if i was them i'm just imagining all the shock from notre dame alums if they went to the sec i i will say you become even more attractive if you're notre dame right in that in your area of the country if you all of a sudden are you know the essentially the big 10 areas sec team yeah if guys want to play in the sec Notre Dame's a lot closer to a lot of big cities in that area of country than it is to some SEC schools. So I they're watching they're watching Notre Dame play a game in in sunny Gainesville while Ohio State is playing at Minnesota in a driving snow. I mean, snow games look like fun to play in, I know, but that Florida weather that, you know, LSU, Texas, I don't know. I I would want to set myself apart from everyone else in that region if I was, uh, if I was Notre Dame. But you know, that's my five minutes of thought into it. They would definitely put way more thought than that. Yeah, I think the, I think the leaders of that university think awfully highly of themselves, and as you mentioned, it feels very Big Tenish from that aspect yes. of things. But yep. remember, this is about football. As much as as much as honestly, yeah, I I honestly feel like the Big Ten is going to add USC, UCLA, um, Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Notre Dame to get to twenty. What about Cal? Cal just left out in the cold. Cal will be part of the Big Twelve Pac twelve merger. Yeah, so about that, there. I mean, there's all kinds of different, and this stuff is going to continue to evolve, but there's reports out there that the Big 12 is going to try to poach as many as six Pac-12 teams. Whether That's really not a merger. That is, that is one conference absorbing the other, pretty much, when you're taking six of the remaining 10. But the four that a lot of people think could be a good possibility are Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado. They'd fit nicely in the Big 12, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Kind of natural there. Yeah, and then Utah, which would be a lot of fun. Now that BYU is going to be in the Big 12, that'd be, uh, that'd be a fun little rivalry. And I, I think that Oregon and Washington, I don't think it's any secret they want to join the Big 10. I, I think that you know when you when you read the reporting that's out there, that's – that that's kind of where they're at, but it doesn't sound like the Big Ten is in any hurry to give them an invitation. So for Oregon and Washington, it becomes the choice of okay, do we want to join the Big Twelve, or do we trust these other eight schools in what's remaining of the Pac-12 that we can we can stay unified and help this thing survive? 
I just, and, and there's also the reports of the Pac-12 and the ACC and a loose partnership. That's what Dennis Dodd called it, a loose partnership that could involve some regular season crossover games and end of the season game where the conferences are playing each other for a conference championship in Vegas. You had the Ross Dellinger thing that came out after that where there are discussions about some sort of broadcasting partnership between the ACC and Pac-12 where essentially the ACC network or some ESPN channel of some sort would have exclusive rights to broadcast Pac-12 games to the West Coast. Like, there's a lot going on with the Pac-12, man. I just, I... Yeah, I don't blame them. They're scrambling. All that stuff sucks. The conference is dead. They're going to have to join with the Big 12. That, the second I saw the that USC was leaving, my initial thought was, well, Pac-12's done. And that, that's no slide at Oregon and Washington. It's just Pac-12, and I guess you could say, well, did you not think the Big 12 was going to die? The timing's the difference, right? Yeah. Where, hey, the Pac-12 last year, they decided to stand pat. They could have tried and raid, raided the Big 12 when OU and Texas announced they were going to leave. And George Klyavkov and all those people out West said, no, 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 we're good. Well, now you lost USC. Now you lost UCLA. And did he have scrambling. a did he have a uh, Bowlesby quote of he's not losing losing any sleep over it? He, I, I still think this is all Larry Scott's fault. But <laughs> George Klyavkov is going to be the one remembered for uh, yeah. you know he's the, he was the commissioner just like Bowlesby is going to be remembered for the OU and Texas stuff like it's. You know, one of the first bullet points on Klyavkov's Pac-12 commissioner resume is going to be, oh, yeah, USC and UCLA left. Yep. Just is what it is. Comes with the job, I suppose. It's tough. Um, You know, who knows what world we'll be living in by the next time we do a podcast. Uh, Definitely by the end of this season. And, like, next summer, this seems to be a, a summer topic where this all pops up. I, I feel kind of like you do that, especially if Notre Dame makes a move soon or announces something soon, one way or the other. If they say they're staying or if they say they're they're going somewhere, I feel like the dominoes are going to fall. This thing's going to be repackaged, and we'll have a new-look college football conference realignment relatively quickly. Yeah, and as as more things happen – and maybe we see some more realignment. You and I, we're, we're definitely going to have to have some discussions about how we feel about the way that college football is going to look yeah. and whether or not that's good for college football. But that I'm sure that conversation is coming. But we're going to wait. We're going to wait to have that conversation once we know what it actually <laughs> looks like. It's wild, dude. I. I don't know. I USC's in the Big Ten, bro. I know USC's what? in the in the Big Ten. Um, it is college college football within over the last two years. It's really not the college football 
we we've known for so long. Is that necessarily a bad thing? I don't know. Maybe there's just some of this uh, nostalgia we're hanging on to, and it won't be very long before we forget all about it. And we got new games and new matchups and new rivalries, and we really don't care. Um, you know, and I kind of feel like that's the case. It's just the change that we're resistant to, but I don't know. I, I do think it's almost a desperate move that everyone thinks that, oh, now that USC is in the Big Ten, that everyone in L.A. is going to be watching them get their asses kicked by Ohio State. Now, I just don't know that that's going to be the case. We'll see. Yep. I, I don't know either. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first... It's time to get back out on the golf course, folks, and there's nothing better to drink on the course than the number one seltzer in golf, Clubby Seltzers. Clubby Seltzers is an Oklahoma company that is already winning national awards because their product is delicious. It tastes exactly like a club special, but it's a seltzer. They're not just for the golf course either. They're perfect to drink by the pool, after mowing the lawn, whatever. If you haven't tried Clubby Seltzers yet, go grab some. You won't regret it. Clubby's first variety pack, is coming out in May, or it's already out, rather, to find a place near that has clubbies. Should probably change the ad read. That's on me. Dot com. Clubby <laughs> seltzers.com, people. Go go get you some clubbies. Attention, business owners. You need Insurca in your life. Yeah, you do. Insurca is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, You'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurico client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? I thought about going with Formula One, Gabe, because the end of that race this weekend was amazing you watched also back i watched the entire thing look at you all the way to the finish exciting stuff it was awesome uh some really good racing down the stretch there um it was good i think i'm I'm, are you a carlos signs guy now huh uh, first win man that's good stuff i'm not it's hard not to be a lewis hamilton guy Whoa, wait, what? I know. I know. I didn't. First of all, love Lewis Hamilton. Big fan. Love him. And he, that was a hell of a drive, by the way. It was but great. I did not see you being a Lewis Hamilton guy. I know. I didn't either until the end of that race, whenever he was reeling everyone in. And, and it was great. It was fun. It goes quick. Uh, the race doesn't drag on forever. I loved it. You're totally in now. Let's I'm go. In. I'm in. Buckle up, people. More F1 talk Buckle coming your way. Up. But I had to go with Baker, baby. It's done. 
He's out of Cleveland. Ah, amazing. Cleveland's going to pick up what? A little over 10 million bucks. Um, Carolina's going to pick up five. And Baker's going to eat three, which I think sucks for him. But that's an awesome move to get things rolling on a new team, right? To give up some salary just to be on – to to show the fans and the team that you want to be there, that you're dumping $3 million of guaranteed money. I think that's a good move for him. It's easy for me to say it's not my 3 million bucks, but um, I'm glad that he's out of Cleveland. Get out of that. You know what show get to a place with a, a better front office, start playing some football, go out there, win some teammates over. I love it for Baker. I am. I'm very excited for him. And it's also a great deal for Carolina. Awesome deal. I mean, when when you think about it, you don't want to throw Matt Corral out there as a rookie. Sam Darnold, I mean, he is what he is at this point in his career. He's been very inconsistent. And now you let Baker and Darnold battle it out. It's It's that simple. Right. And if Baker wins it, maybe you're able to flip Darnold to someone that needs a backup. Yep. If someone goes down, someone gets hurt, right? And they're willing to absorb that salary. I I just You're getting him for less than what you pay for a established backup. Absolutely. So I think it is a it's it's a big win for Carolina. It makes me wonder what the hell Seattle was doing. If you could get Baker for that, what I mean, what were the Seahawks doing? Good luck with Drew Locke, man. Good I don't know. You know, Baker may not have been willing to eat the $3 million out at Seattle. You just don't know. And I, there's a, there is a pick that goes with it, too, a, a pick of 24, which, you know. I mean, I, what's it, a conditional fifth? Is that something right? Something like that. It's Can not turn much. into a fourth. Right. Um, yeah, I think it's a home run for, for Carolina. And. I think it could end up being a home run for Baker Mayfield too. That division is way more winnable right now than the AFC North is. AFC North is brutal as hell right now. And the NFC South is, it's winnable with Atlanta and new Orleans where they are. And even Tampa Bay is, is like in a different position than they were a couple of years ago. I think it's a good opportunity. If, and only if it's a massive if you keep Christian McCaffrey healthy. Uh oh, <laughs> here comes the McCaffrey rant. <laughs> Tell us about your fantasy football team, Ted. Well, we don't I'm care just so saying, much. I'm just saying, if Baker Mayfield can play an entire season with his shoulder hanging off his body, I think Christian McCaffrey can play a season on a not even injured ankle that he's jogging around on the sideline on. That's just me, though. And and remember, Darnold's on pretty much the exact same. I think Bill, his cap yep. hits like the exact same as Baker's 18, was. 18-8, right? Yeah. So you look at that, and they're not even paying Baker five. So they're paying under $24 million for those two guys. They're paying half for those two guys of what Cleveland is paying for Deshaun Watson alone, uh, who may not even play this season, and they had to eat the $10 million for uh for baker so they're probably going to be paying like i don't know 60 million bucks 
for Jacoby Brissett this season to start a quarterback. <laughs> do you do you see Robbie Anderson walk that uh, Instagram comment back from I a while didn't. back? No. Yeah, there was. It was someone had posted something about the Panthers possibly trading for Baker. I think it's like back in April. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, Robbie yeah, Anderson yeah. was like, no. Right. And then well, he said he was, sorry, he was just looking up for or looking out for Darnold. No, that I did. That's funny. And and the the reality is it's very much gonna be an open competition. Baker yeah. and he's at a disadvantage. Right? You yep. you Darnold's got a head start with the playbook. So he's he's gonna have to earn that job. And I I'll say this Carolina Panther fans just our, the Carolina Panthers just got a whole bunch of fans in the state of Oklahoma. There's going to be a bunch of jer- jerseys getting ordered. Yep. And I'll tell you this, man. A And you know this, just the personality of Baker. And he's had it. He's played it really straight here recently. But you know how he is in the locker room. And he's going to win that team over quick. They're going to love him. And that cannot be easy to deal with and contend with whenever you are in a quarterback battle with the guy. Yeah. And if you're Carolina, it's, it's a good situation as well, because corral kind of did some Bakerish type stuff. Yeah. When it comes to throwing his body around, like, you know, being, being that emotional leader, that type of guy. So I mean, having Baker there to, to teach him a little bit, especially if he's kind of similar to him personality-wise, I don't think that's a bad yeah. thing for that organization either. Agree. Totally agree. Yeah, so... Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it seem, seems like there's a lot of winners in, in, in that trade. All right, who is your loser of the week? All right. I know you're going to disagree with me on this one. Oh, boy. But it's the New Orleans Pelicans. Zion signs his deal, $231 million extension. And I think it's a bad sign whenever the guy that's signing the $231 million extension wants to, quote, prove I'm a winner. That's typically the money you pay to someone that has already proven that they are a winner. I don't see it going well. I He's been injured. He's been overweight. And maybe this is just old school, but I feel like whenever you give a off-injured, overweight player guaranteed $231 million, the incentive to not be injured and not be overweight flies right out the window does it make you feel any better that it's a it's only 193 million dollars if he doesn't make an all nba team and his hit that escalator yeah it makes me feel better i thought that was his <laughs> opt-in but not that much better not that much better no, i we've talked a lot about this i I don't think New Orleans had any any other choice, really. And maybe the same pattern of behavior and performance continues, and maybe they deal him at some point. 
but when he's been on the court, he's been one of the most dominant players in the league. He just has. He's been fantastic to watch. The problem is he hadn't been on the court. And you're right. Like he, with the way that he looks physically, you get the sense that how, how much is this really guy invest? Is he really invested in being great, right? He's got all this ability, but how much does he care? That's the alarming part for me, but I really don't know what, what else New Orleans could do. Yeah. I, well, that's part of why I say they're uh, losers is because they've been forced into what is, in my opinion, a horrendous contract that they really don't have any other option. They just have to pray, pray that Zion decides to, you know, show up put in a ton of effort, ton of work, keep his body right, and, quote, prove he's a winner. He's played in 85 games so far as a pro and has probably made well over a million dollars per game. That is – that's one way of doing it, man. <laughs> that's, can't I, complain about that. I will say, if he can – if he's healthy – New Orleans is going to be a really, really fun team. I mean, really fun team that people are going to have to watch out for. But at this point, that's just that, – that's a big if. But, yeah, I saw that and I went, oh, that's a lot of money for a guy that hasn't played many games. Woo. Yeah. You, hey, congratulations to him, though. That is – the dude is, you know, probably going to be knocking on what you know, 300 million plus dollars and hopefully he starts playing and plays well. Cause you're right. He's an incredible athlete. There's no one else really like, is there even a comp for him? No. I, I mean, yeah. Aaron Donald, you know, Shaq. <laughs> He's like Shaq. He, Shaq ish. It's At like, times, I dude, there's not a comp for him. I mean, there's just not. It's like if Charles Barkley, because I think they're similar size now, he's bulkier, but if Charles Barkley could jump like Dominique Wilkins, like that's the comp. Yeah, it's, I mean, he's, he's so fun to watch when he's healthy. Please just trim down and take care of yourself, Zion. Listen to you know CJ McCollum. Take care of your body. It. Drink you some try. wine. <laughs> That's what all the cool kids in the NBA do. They're all they're all just hammering red wine. Maybe you need to get on that trade. All right. Let's finish up with my winner and loser. But first. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 
to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And if you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. It's big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. Remember, in 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the best in-glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen, and became the first American distillery to win that competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and great bourbon at a great price, the Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners, yeah, they're from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconiesdistilling.com. All right, for my winner of the week, I thought about going with the New Orleans Pelicans. I'm just kidding. I'm just, <laughs> I, I saw that Zion deal, and I was like, oh, I don't know. That's a big number. But there, there's only one thing we need to talk about when it comes to the winner of the week, and that's Chet Holmgren, baby. The rest of the NBA was placed on notice because Chet freaking Holmgren has arrived. I'm a Chet guy now, Ted. I told you once they drafted him, I'm all in on the Chet. Here we are. And all these, first of all, all these people telling me that I shouldn't overreact because it's summer league. Listen, man, shut up. Just let me live. Let me overreact. It's what I want to do. It's July. And watching that lanky man float around the court as if he was being carried on clouds, Ted, was tremendous. Put a smile on my face. As soon as I saw the stat line, all I could do is laugh and cry at the same time. Because all I did was say that, hey, I like him. I hope they pick him, but He's not going to be a uh, rim defender in the NBA. (laughs) (laughs) What he had that first game, he had six blocks, only six. If you're wondering Uh, that (laughs) he is, first of all, that's summer league record. Of course, he is the only player ever in summer league to record at least five blocks and hit four threes in a game. And that's what he did in his first game where he dropped 23, seven had six blocks and had four assists. But I, I will say this, in, in his second game, right now, Kenny Lofton Jr., that guy weighs like 300 pounds. He he pushed him around a little bit. You know, he, he did for Memphis, but he, and by the way, someone get that guy helmet and shoulder pad, pads. He's playing the wrong sport. No doubt. But I, I still thought in his second game, and he looked, uh, Chet looked tired. There's no doubt about it, but... His off night was 11 and 12, couple blocks, and he was a plus 20. And I know it's summer league, but the the stat lines aren't the impressive things for me. The most impressive stuff is the fact that very little of it feels forced. It it all feels like it's happening within the flow of the game, within the flow of the offense. He seems to already have some 
solid chemistry with Josh Giddy, which I do think matters, right? When you got two guys that young coming up in the NBA together, I I won't lie, man. In that first game, I I squealed when he hit that Dirk fadeaway from the free throw line. <laughs> I, that's, that's exactly what it, I was like. Oh my god! I I don't even know the noise. I was I was just oh, it made me so happy. I hadn't felt that way watching the Thunder in a while, and it just it makes you excited as a Thunder fan for the future. And, you know, I don't, I'm not entirely sure why Josh Giddy's playing in summer league. He's entirely too good. Like he just casually dropped, drops a triple double in that second game. And he didn't even really look like he's playing that hard, which is the best part about it. But I, I love that. Chess- I wants to develop that chemistry though. Like you said. Yeah. And uh, like the fact that Chet forced Giddy to do the post game interview, with him, like stuff like that, I just, I don't know. He's become very likable very quickly. And it has a lot to do with, you can see the skill on the floor and you're like, oh, wow. Seven foot guys. There's not a lot of them on the planet that can do that. But also. Are, are he and Giddy the same age? I would. Yeah, I would think so. I think About so. 20, oh, right? Yeah. Both of them. It's crazy. So I. I mean, he's now the betting favorite in a lot of sports books to win rookie of the year because because of how good he looked at that first game. And I know that's ridiculous, but he was the second pick of the draft. I can't ima- imagine how Orlando Magic fans felt watching that. Oh, especially brutal. that had to be brutal. Brutal. Uh, it's exciting, though, man, to have a couple of young players like they are that uh, you know, it's interesting. Fit the new style, but also have like some exceptional size and just different facets of their game. It's fun, man. Good stuff. And Chet Chet was so good that it it distracted, or I, maybe it didn't distract everyone. But Jalen Williams, the guy that got picked at twelve. I mean, his two performances, he was fantastic. Uh, I mean, and he looks like a guy that's going to be a, if he doesn't start, he's going to be a significant rotation player for this team right away. Like he looks polished and strong, can defend. I know some of the quickness stuff on the defensive end was a bit of a question mark for him, but the guy can score in a variety of ways. I mean, shooting the three well, I know it's only two summer league games, but I mean, he had 17 in the first game and 16 in the second game. He was three for three from three. I mean, he's looked great, too. Yeah. Hey, um, we're trust back. the process. Is that what we're you're back. saying? <laughs> there, that, hey, it is a dilemma, though, right? You're back, but how back do you want to be? It's a good question. I am... I'm all for winning more games this year. You always you have the draft picks to move up. You you only have so many, right? You lock Dort in with that new contract. You only have so many roster spots. So at some point, you got to start winning games. Yep. And I, I think need to get that place rocking again, get into the playoffs. That that's yep. that's my thing is it. If my excitement level is any indication of how excited Thunder fans are going to be for this season, 
you don't want to waste that by losing a ton of games. You know what I mean? I agree. Not a third year in a row. Please. Please. <laughs> All right. For my loser of the week, I, I thought about going with Aaron Rodgers because, I mean, what is this tattoo, Ted? What, it, what do oh, we got yeah. going on here? We've got it's now nothing bad to happen to him. He's still awesome at football, but we've got lions, uh, constellations, a very Illuminati ish. I thing going, uh, there's just a lot going on on this first tat and I'm not a tattoo guy. I don't have a single one. I always, I just I've never really felt compelled to get anything tattooed on my body, but that is certainly not where I would start, but I feel like maybe, maybe it's the most Aaron Rodgers tattoo imaginable because that is, uh, that's something, man. Yeah. I don't know. That is fascinating, man. You think he did like a ayahuasca trip or something down Absolutely. to South America? There were, there was some ayahuasca or mushrooms or there was something, some, some chemical was involved or some natural elevating agent. I don't know what you call those things, but were, were there some hallucinating involved? Quite possibly. I don't know, but that is, that's one hell of a tattoo. Boy, it is. That is something. The detail is very nice. Whoever he it went is, to, very it looks, it looks good, but I don't know what it is. In, interesting he's an interesting man (laughs) but my my loser of the week i'm going with the washington wizards and you you brought up the zion contract the bradley beal contract five years 251 million dollars and bobby marks reported that that deal has has a no trade clause Bradley Beal is the only player in the NBA that has a true no trade clause in his contract. And he is the 10th player in NBA history to have one joining the likes of LeBron James, Kevin Garnett, Carmelo, Anthony, Dirk, Kobe, Dwayne Wade, Tim Duncan, and David Robinson. Oh boy. There's a bunch of uh, championship winners there. (laughs) There's a bunch of people that have a lot of rings. (laughs) <laughs> on that list and Bradley Beal has not even come close. And listen, I think Bradley Beal is a really solid player, but I don't know how much of a winning player is. He's certainly, you're never winning a championship. If he's the best player on your team. I mean, there's just, he, he's not that type of guy, especially on the defensive end, but I'm not sure there's a less exciting max player in the NBA than Bradley Beal. And you're giving him $251 million. And I get that he's been loyal, right? I get that he's gone through some tough seasons and hasn't been one of those guys that even though he's been, you know, involved in a lot of trade rumors, he's never been a guy saying, Hey, trade me or anything like he's, he's been, he's been from all indications, a good teammate there in Washington, but I now to trade him, you have to get his blessing. He's 29. Yeah, I listen, man. I don't know. I saw this and I was just, I just started laughing. I was like, well, I mean, Zion's one thing, but Bradley Beal, my goodness, what is Washington doing? 
I don't know, man. I, I that is maybe I'm the argument sorry. is what else are they supposed to do? I I, I guess know. I don't know. I'm gonna hit the uh, I'm gonna hit the old floor of the salary cap. Like I'm gonna pay as little as I can. I'm not just gonna pay a guy fifty million dollars a year because just because you're talking about he is now up there with guys like Jokic, Giannis. Steph Curry, I mean, Durant. You're talking about guys that have won titles and MVPs. Yeah. He is not that. I mean, he's just not. He's a really, really, really good basketball player that's made a ton of money. Like, I'm not trying to say that he's trash. He's not, but he's getting paid like a guy that has won titles and MVPs and made deep playoff runs even, and it just – Hasn't even been close to that. I don't you know, know what his. Oh, he was a twenty-three, uh, twenty-three points, six assists, four rebounds a game guy. Yeah, his scoring. He he averaged. I think the two years before that, he averaged like thirty something. So like he can score. There's no doubt. Oh, back whenever he was twenty-six and twenty-seven. <laughs> yeah. So. I don't know, man, but I saw that deal and I just, I was floored and I cannot imagine how Washington Wizards fans feel about it. Maybe they're happy, but I, 251 million for Bradley Beal, no trade clause. I mean, he's a career, he's a career 22 points a game guy, which I mean, there's more to it than that. I get it, but. That's that's psychotic. That's just stupid. I don't even know what the NBA is doing anymore. Gosh, I wish we would have. We should have played basketball. We should at least given it a shot. It wouldn't have worked out well for us, but it's okay. He makes more than uh, the guy with the crazy tattoo, Aaron Rodgers, um, Mahomes. He'd be the highest paid player in the in the NFL, right? Yeah. And he's a 23, 6, and 4 guy in the NBA. Well, and every amen. single penny of it is guaranteed. <laughs> Congratulations, man. Uh, Amazing. We we picked the wrong sport. <laughs> Why couldn't I have been taller and more athletic? Damn it. Uh, On that note. Episode 229 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me on SiriusXM, Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have an awesome weekend. And until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.